Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. This message is a part of our series, Breathe, where we are reimagining life at the sustainable and abundant pace that Jesus offers. So great, isn't it, to see these kids being dedicated and uh, we continue to entrust them to God. Um, you, we have a special service planned for us today. Um, it's a unique service. It's not one that we normally do, uh, but we um, are in the series called Breathe. And uh, we've been looking at ways uh, of being and practices that lead us into the rest of Jesus. And uh, we're going to lead us through a service today that will be uh, more interactive uh, than we typically do. We're going to invite you to, uh, to reflect and to pray as you hear uh, what we're talking about this morning. You received a guide uh, that we gave you as you came in. Um, I think it says breathe on it. Uh, you can follow along in that. Uh, we are going to pray some prayers together as we walk through the service. I want to encourage you to pray the prayers that are going to come up on the screen because they are just a little bit different than what's in that uh, folder. But you can take that home with you and you can use it uh, throughout this week even as you reflect uh, on your life. And so I want to uh, invite you this morning uh, to come with us on a little bit of a journey and, uh, and to breathe this morning as we invite God to meet us, uh, to come and to uh, speak to us uh, about our lives and about our community as we interact and engage with him. Jesus spoke of his father's house as a house of prayer for all nations. When entering one's house in the Jewish culture, the host would welcome their guests with three common customs that signified honor and respect. They would greet them with a kiss of affection, they would wash their feet from the journey, and they would anoint them with oil for refreshment. As you enter the house of prayer this morning, will you allow the master of the house, our Lord Jesus, to tend to you? Our morning will be divided into three sections mirroring this welcome. The first custom was the kiss of greeting. As we enter the Father's house, we enter as much-loved sons and daughters. We want to begin by basking in his glory and love for us. Some of us have arrived weary, burdened, and perhaps feeling beaten up. We come in need of the affection of our Father. As we worship, he inhabits our praises. We are inviting the Spirit of God to pour out afresh the Father's love in us, his children. The second custom was foot washing. The scripture says it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. In our second section, we will be led in a time of consecration, prayer, by a team of people. This team is going to lead us to pray prayers of confession and repentance as we seek to identify the obstacles that are hindering us from moving forward and embracing the things God would have us to take hold of as we journey forward. The third custom was anointing. We will choose, we will close our time with the communion service, followed by a time for you to anoint one another afresh for this coming new year. All right, so let's stand together. I want to invite you to pray with me, and uh, we're going to sing together, worship together as we come to God. So God, thank you again for your grace and your mercy today. We come before you as people. We come before you today uh, seeking you. We're hungry. We need you. We come before you today because uh, you're good, and you only have good gifts for your children. 
you want us to live uh, life to the full. You want us to experience the power of your spirit. And so we come and we open up every part of our life to you, have access uh, to every part of our lives this morning. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning we're going to uh, go into a time of confession. And we recognize that when we do that, we do that in the context of the covenant love of God. Um, as followers of Christ, we are loved sons and daughters of God. But the, the scriptures teach us that when things are out of alignment in our lives, um, when things have been broken, uh, when things have not been consistent with, uh, with Jesus and the life of Christ that is offered to us, that we're to come and we're to confess uh, our sin to him. Uh, we're, we're to actually name it. Uh, we're, we're to actually agree with him that things are out of alignment. We're not just supposed to move on. Uh, we're not just supposed to hope that things get better. We're, we're not just supposed to sweep it under the rug. We're supposed to bring it into the presence of God. And we're supposed to agree with him and invite him to transform us and to heal us. And so we're going to do that. We're going to do that this morning. Uh, A.B. Simpson, who is the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, said that um, doing this was much like, much like breathing. He wrote a, a hymn called Breathing Out and Breathing In. Um, the, the hymn goes like this, Jesus, breathe thy spirit on me. Teach me how to breathe thee in. Help me pour into thy bosom all my life of self and sin. I'm breathing out my own life that I might be filled with thine. Letting go my strength and weakness, breathing in thy life divine. Breathing out my sinful nature, thou hast borne it all for me. Breathing in thy cleansing fullness, finding all thy life in thee. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to kind of hack into our hearts and reveal what's going on in our lives, uh, in our personal lives and in our church community. And we're, we're going to pray through six impediments to the work of God's Spirit. And as we pray these prayers of confession, we want to invite you to breathe out uh, what might be in your life that needs to be breathed out and borne by Jesus. Acts chapter 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And Second Chronicles says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And so we're trusting that as we, as we name uh, what's broken, as we name what's out of alignment, that, that God would breathe his life into us. And so along with each one of these, there's an accompanying virtue that we're saying, yeah, we want to breathe this stuff out, but we also want to take in we want to breathe in and take on, take hold of what Jesus has for us. And so we're going to invite you to breathe these in, in agreement. And this doesn't remove us from the responsibility of developing these virtues in our lives. Uh, it's, it's an ongoing process. But we, again, want to agree, yes, Jesus, this is how you want us to live. We haven't necessarily lived this way, but we, again, commit ourselves to you. And so we're going to do that this morning. Our format for this next section is as follows. 
One of our own people will come up and will identify the area for us and outline some of its aspects that we need to own either corporately or personally. Then you will have a minute or two in silence to reflect on your part in this sinful pattern, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. Keep it personal rather than focusing on others. After a short time of individual confession, we will move towards corporate confession. In order to keep this authentic, if you don't feel that you have contributed, just remain silent during the prayer. We will ask you to stand together and to take corporate responsibility together. But if you don't feel that's authentic, you don't have to stand. It's important as we move through this time of consecration that the only pressure you respond to is that of the Holy Spirit. He alone convicts. Please don't stand because others are standing or pray because others are praying. God knows our hearts. And this consecration is an act of worship that we want to offer him, one that is done in spirit and truth. If you're a newcomer and this is your first time here, we invite you to pray silently with us. This is a unique service and we welcome your presence here, but know that we don't always do what we're doing here today. Our first obstacle, breathe out pride and breathe in humility. Pride. It's not enough to be fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, loved and cherished by God, to be called his beloved child. We want to be like God, but our ideas of what it means to be like God are sinfully perverted, rooted in pride. We want to be like God, who is all-powerful, so we make sure everyone around us knows we are capable and competent. We want to be godlike, so we make our own rules, live without limits, glory in our own accomplishments, live with our no Sabbath necessary busy schedules. We promote our status, and we especially care what others say about us. We want to be like God, who is sovereign and in control, so we subtly manipulate everything to our desired outcome, or to preserve status quo because we fear change. We want to be like God, so we do things like design our own sexuality, build lavish lives, and put ourselves at the center of everything. We want to be like God, so we judge others. And when we are wounded by others, we don't offer forgiveness and grace that we ourselves have received, because the one who did the wrong must beg for forgiveness before we offer it. This is sinful pride. But God expresses power in weakness. God displays his glory by serving us and dying on a shameful cross. He uses his knowledge to love us, and he exercises sovereignty by defeating sin, death, and hell, thus lavishing his forgiveness and grace upon us. Humility is in God's character, and Jesus Christ is the embodiment of that. Therefore, to be truly like God is to be like Jesus. So I invite you in silence to reflect on your part of the sin of pride. If this is something that you need to confess, stand together with me and join me as we pray this prayer adapted from A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. It'll be up on the screen. You may be seated. Good morning. The second obstacle is breathe out fear and ungodly control and breathe in trust 
and greater dependence on God. When fear resides in our hearts, we have rejected the fullness of our Father's love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Our fear has filled us with the expectation of judgment or condemnation from the very God who waits longingly for a deep relationship with us. He waits for us to cry out, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Where we have walked in fear, we have grieved his heart because we have misjudged him. He came to save us, not to condemn. He longs for a deep, intimate relationship with each one of us individually and with us as a congregation. Instead of depending on our God, we have allowed our fears to lead us into forms of ungodly control, which have manifest in the following ways. One, at times out of fear of what others think, we've been ashamed of Jesus and not shared the full message of the gospel with love and boldness. Number two, rather than trust the Holy Spirit's leading, we've found ourselves trusting our own wisdom. We would rather stay safe and powerless than wait for the power of the Spirit as Jesus instructed us to do. Three, our fear of others has caused us to reject people and not love them fully and freely. Four, out of fear we have not given generously, but rather have wanted to control the time, talents, treasures entrusted to us rather than steward them to God. Now take time to reflect on how you may have personally given in to fear rather than love. So, so now, if you have given away to fear over love, I want to invite you to stand with me and pray these prayers of confession. Thank you. You can be seated. Obstacle number three, breathe out busyness and breathe in dependence on God. Mark 4.19, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. We sometimes feel a sense of accomplishment when we can share with others how full our schedules are even though we feel overengaged and overwhelmed. Where we have given over to peer pressure, job demands, and a sense of guilt, 
When we aren't doing something to fill our days, we repent. Where we have entertained thoughts that we need to look busy to look good, subtly suggesting taking time to pray, reflect, or celebrate Sabbath is wasted time, we repent. Have we put the cares of this world ahead of our first love, Jesus, which has kept us from intimacy with him? Have we acted out of drivenness, prayerless living, or self-focus instead of looking for God's priorities and his agenda? We have not faithfully read God's word, and therefore it has not shaped our thinking and being. Lord, forgive us when the results of our busyness has caused our family relationships to suffer, when we have nothing left for them at the end of the day. Has our lack of confidence in our identity led to anxiety and a sense of inadequacy created drivenness and a need for control? Are there times when we refuse to let go and let others take the lead? Do we live in fatigue from lack of rest and overwork and push aside attention to our personal health and wellness? Individually take time to reflect on how we have participated in busyness rather than living in dependence on God. If you have lived a busy if you have lived in busyness rather than prayerful dependence on God, please stand with me and I invite you to pray this prayer of confession together with me. You can be seated. Obstacle number four. Breathe out worldly culture and breathe in Christ-like kingdom culture. What culture drives us? There is no question that God loves the cultural and ethnic diversity of this world. It is reflective of his creativity and beauty. However, we are more influenced by cultural norms, standards, values, and beliefs than by the culture of God's kingdom. Living in Western culture, we are highly influenced by values such as comfort, materialism, enjoyment, pleasure, and protecting our perceived rights. These have replaced a kingdom culture of holiness, sacrifice, and even suffering. Do we love technology, entertainment, comfort, material blessings, and our rights more than we love Jesus? And what about our cultural differences between language and social groupings? Have we allowed these to divide us in any way preferring what is familiar to us, protecting our culture, I, cultural identity over kingdom connection? Is our definition of ourselves, of a member of a specific group, more important than how he sees and defines us as his children and members of his family? Have we been contemptuous or rejecting of those outside of our cultural or social groupings? Our identity doesn't lie in our culture, but as children of the king. May we lay those things aside of our cultural origin that distort or cloud our identity as God's children and walk with the honor and authority and security that comes with belonging to God's family. So now, Take a moment to reflect on how if you have been more defined by Western or Canadian culture as opposed to kingdom culture.
Few have been more influenced by Western culture over kingdom culture. I invite you to stand and pray with me a prayer of confession. Obstacle number five, breathe out disunity and breathe unity. Unity is at the heart of God. John 17 says, may they be one as we are one. Then the world will know that you sent me. Unity is one of our greatest witnesses. However, disunity in the body of Christ injures from the inside and breaks down our witness on the outside. We create disunity when we wound one another within the body of Christ, in particular wounding with words, attitudes, motives, misuse of authority, unrealistic expectations of others, control, and the desire to have things go our way. Each of these creates hurt and division, which inhibits relationship, fuels discord, and hinders our witness of Christ. In order to move forward into what God has waiting in the wings, we will need to commit to reconciling these offenses, putting things right as much as it depends on us, and moving forward with the attitude of Christ towards one another. We have created disunity when we have not always followed the biblical exhortation to be completely humble and gentle, to be patient and bear with one another in love. While we may see things differently, we will allow the Spirit to move us into places where trust and unity can be restored in the midst of diversity. Disunity also occurs when we undervalue each other's contributions and gifts. When the wisdom of older people or the creativity and passion of young people is not valued, it can create another kind of hurt that leads to division and disunity. Division occurs when men and women fail to honor and value the, need, the unique contributions that each one brings. This kind of division blocks the ability to disciple, mentor, and to create new innovations together. We can tend to be like, to like safety and comfort, which impedes us from trying new things or embracing some tried and true ways that are timeless. Take time to reflect on how you have may have participated in disunity rather than keeping unity in the body of Christ. If you can identify with this area of disunity versus unity, I invite you to stand and pray this prayer of confession together with me. And number six, poverty and materialism versus generosity and abundance. The book of Acts records that one of the biggest evidences of the spirit-empowered church was sacrificial generosity. Churches and individuals gave generously so others could hear the gospel message regardless of their ability, understanding the kingdom abundance of God. The rich willingly downsized to help the poor. Their goal was that everyone would hear the gospel and no one would be in need. Concerning finances, we find ourselves slipping into one of 
two extremes. We either are infected by a materialistic mindset rooted in selfishness and greed, or we live in a poverty mindset rooted in fear and doubt. In a materialistic mindset, we see our money as our hard-earned right to be used for our needs and our pleasures. Our financial decisions are easily motivated by self-interest rather than selfless love and sacrifice. Living in the Western world, surrounded by bounty and greed, this mindset can be difficult to identify and own because there is always someone who has more than us. We may practice gratitude and thankfulness for what we have, but we may secretly be harboring jealousies, comparisons, and resentment towards those who have more than we do. We give, but somewhat reluctantly, and perhaps not always as the first fruits, but rather the leftover fruits. In a poverty mindset, though, we find ourselves living with a spirit of lack, at times manifested as stinginess. We live as if what we have will never meet our needs, and we hold onto it tightly. Instead of modeling an outrageous faith worthy of our God, we too often move forward depending solely on our own resources. In fear, rather than trusting God to provide out of his abundant supply, we are guilty of not believing God's word that speaks of his generous heart and unlimited storehouse of resources. We have not taken up his challenge to test him with our generous giving. So take time now to reflect on how you may have been impacted by poverty and materialism rather than by generosity and abundance. Let us stand now together and as led by the Spirit, pray this prayer of confession as it applies to you. Thank you, have a seat. Well, thank you for your participation this morning. Uh, as we prayed and agreed uh, to breathe out and to breathe in, it's really important that we don't leave it there. Um, it's one thing to say it and agree with it. Uh, it's another to actually live differently, and that's one of the reasons that we gave you the guide. As you came in this morning, you can take those prayers home with you, and you can review them this week and pray them in your personal time with Jesus and invite the Spirit to do further work in our hearts as we continue to want to live into the things of Christ. We also know, one of the things we know is that we can't do it on our own. Uh, it's important for us to take it and do it personally, but we need other followers of Christ around us to do that. Hebrews says to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We need other people to spur us on, and uh, we need to be in community with other people, and so uh, would encourage you not just to be out there on your own throughout the week, but to meet with other people in a life group or for a coffee uh, or in some kind of relationship where you can spur one another on toward life in Christ. And so it doesn't stop here. We continue to invite the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us into the fullness of life that Jesus offers us. And so this morning we're going to come to the communion table uh, we're going to end our service by coming to the table and receiving the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to take the bread, we're going to dip it into the cup, and receive anew and afresh um, from the Lord's table. Jesus invites us to come, to come to the table and to remember him. And uh, so we're just going to, uh, we're just going to set that up this morning, invite our team to begin to lead us now. Wendy, would you go ahead? 
While we've confessed our sin, admitting how easily we have succumbed to temptation in various areas, our Lord Jesus, submitting himself to be tempted in every way as we have been, yet without sin. He, being in very nature God, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a humble human servant and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, for you and for me. He became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, even our sin. As we come to the table this morning, we are coming, asking Jesus our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, and our coming King to forgive us for ways that we have strayed from our first love, Himself. And because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that we are forgiven of our sins as we've come and we've confessed. We know that he's forgiven us. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just. He'll forgive us our sins and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's good news for us. And so as we come, as we've confessed, we know and we, that we stand forgiven. Uh, he's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered hell for us, uh, his children. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we renounce any and every foothold that may have been gained by the powers of darkness in our personal lives and in our body corporately. And we release the work of the Spirit in your lives anew and afresh today. We release the work of God's Spirit anew and afresh in this congregation for us to be people who are renewed day in and day out, becoming new people by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's freed us from living in sinful patterns that lead to death. He's freed us to live a new life. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to empower us and enable us to do that. We want to do it willingly. We want to surrender to you, Holy Spirit. So fill us as we surrender and enable us to live like new people and form in us Christ, the hope of glory. And so I invite you to come this morning to the table. Jesus invites you to come to his table this morning to take the bread representing his broken body for us on the cross, broken for our sin and then his blood shed for us for the forgiveness of our sin. I invite you to take the bread and to dip it in the cup and receive this morning the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after that, um, you'll return to your seat and after communion is done, I want to send you out with a blessing this morning, just an anointing you with oil. We have people who are going to be up at the front. Uh, they have a, a vial of oil, and all they're going to do is anoint you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and bless you in Jesus' name to represent the blessing of God in your life. And so you come this morning as we sing. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.